0: Hi everyone, I'm Mel Sainsbury, your pet expert and veterinary nurse from Nature's Menu, the UK and Europe's leading expert in raw and natural pet food. We're here to offer advice to help you bring up your pup. Now, I'm no dog whisperer, but our pups do seem to have an incredible vocal range. Are they just showing off their pipes or do different doggy sounds tell us something about our pet's behaviour? Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Dawn Cox, a Kennel Club Good Citizen Advisor and behavioural specialist. As the UK's largest organisation in dog health, welfare, and training, they sure know their stuff when it comes to understanding our puppy pals. Thank you for being part of the pupcast, Dawn. It's a pleasure.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me.
0: So, could you start by telling us a little bit more about the Kennel Club, please? Well, their main objective is to
1: ensure that all dogs, no matter their breed or breed type, get to enjoy a really long, happy healthy life with a responsible owner and they do that through campaigns that they run such as banning shock collars and things like that, Um, educating the general public through their website, through the Good Citizen Dog Scheme, through displays at things like Crufts and Discover Dogs Um, and they do a lot on discussions with the breed groups looking at breed standards and trying to ensure that uh, breeds are as healthy as they possibly can be. I know that's something that's been in the public eye, you know, for several years, that some of our breeds aren't as healthy as they should be. And there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes to try and make sure that they are. So the Kennel Club is there for all dogs, although obviously it gets a reputation for only being involved in breed, but Mm -hmm. it wants to um, promote dogs at all levels.
0: Fantastic, lovely, thank you. Really positive organisation. So, I think at some stage, all of us dog owners have wished we could speak to our pets at some point. And hopefully, we're going to give a little insight into their language. Um, Obviously, they don't speak our language, but hopefully, we can try and start to understand theirs a little bit better what each bark or whine means and how best we can communicate back with them to get our message across and understand theirs. So, first things first, keeping it pretty basic to start with, how do we think dogs say hello to humans?
1: Okay, so the main way in which dogs communicate with each other and with us is through their body language. And the main way that they understand us is through our body language and our facial expression. So the vocalisation on both halves is less important. However, the barks and the other noises that they make do have meaning behind them. And if you were just to hear the noise that they were making, you would be able to interpret it with some degree of accuracy. Not necessarily fully accurate unless you knew the dog really well, but you would be able to interpret it. You'd know whether the dog was seeing somebody off or excited to go for a walk, for example.
0: And do you think owners can be in tune with their own dog's language, or is it pretty much um, all, all dogs speak the same language as such?
1: All dogs do speak the same language, but you get to know your individual dog. So I have um, an elderly dog a 14 and a half year old collie who unfortunately is suffering uh, from her older age and she has vestibular disease and poor eyesight and poor hearing so if I'm not in the room she will often try and get me back by that attention seeking barking which is very irritating to us humans it's something that dogs (laughs) don't do naturally a pack of dogs in the wild you know years back when when dogs evolved they wouldn't have attention seeking barked to get um, to get their siblings back. Uh, it's something that they've developed to get us humans back and it's only because us humans react to the irritation of that barking sound. So they bark, we go back. That's a for them a very successful outcome. so it's a strategy that they'll then continue to practice because they know it works. So dogs tend to repeat behaviors that get a good outcome for them and don't repeat behaviors that don't get a good outcome. So the attention seeking bark is something that we've created in dogs uh, and it's a very successful strategy for them.
0: Mm. I've seen quite a few young dogs actually that suffer from attention seeking. And it's it's not well known that even if you not I'm promoting this, but even if you walk into the room and yell and scream and shout and really tell your dog off that it's being a bad dog because it's being irritating. That in itself is a reward because you've come back and you've paid attention to your dog. Yeah, and
1: if the dog is getting absolutely no attention, then even bad attention is better than no attention in the dog's eyes. Mm. So you are absolutely right. If you go back and yell at your dog, well, not only are you joining in with the barking, so you're actually saying, yeah, yeah, <laughs> let's all of us bark, but you're also getting the dog attention. And it's, it's quite difficult to walk into a room and completely ignore a dog, even if you know that that's what you should be doing to stop mm. attentioning behaviours. But trying to walk into the room and not give your dog eye contact or not verbally reprimand it or greet it or whatever it was you would naturally do, it's very difficult to stop yourself from doing that behaviour. I know one of my very good friends, a behavioural trainer, gives his clients um, something specific to do when they walk in a room, if they've got an attention seeking dog, that they go into that room. They switch the kettle on, they look out the kitchen window and they describe everything that they can see out of that kitchen window. And that stops them then from looking at the dog or touching the dog. Or That's a great the,
0: idea. Because
1: it gives them something very specific that they've got to do. And, uh, and they've got to continue doing that until the dog is calmer and quieter. And then they can mm. just... Calmly acknowledge that their dog. So the dog then is getting a response from the owner at the correct point, i.e., when it's quieter and more controlled, rather than at the wrong point when it's all excited and barking and faffing around.
0: Mm, I know that even a simple glance can be rewarding, can't it? And it's the worst <laughs> when you're told don't make eye contact. That's the first thing you want to do as soon as you walk in Absolutely. the room. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah,
1: the hard stare. I've told you before about that noisy. <laughs> I'm not allowed to talk to you, but I'm going to give you the look yeah (laughs) it would work with us humans wouldn't it we we give each other the look at least but it doesn't work with dogs doesn't work in the same way
0: no it doesn't work on my husband either sadly but never mind i keep trying
1: (laughs) they're beyond training i think husbands
0: So, how do dogs do you think recognize their name? Obviously, we come up as humans, we come up with all these weird and wonderful, fantastic pet names for them. Um, And some people find their kennel names even stranger a lot of the time. So, when we have got a nice (laughs) little pet name that we thought of, how do we get them to recognize their name and react to it?
1: Well, I think there are many poor puppies and older dogs out there that think their name is no or stop. Mm. But if you are a responsible owner and you know what you're doing, then you want the dog to recognise their name. You want the dog to hear their name and immediately pay attention to you because it's likely it's going to be followed up with a cue to do something. Um, so in order to do that, we would say the name and then ensure something nice then follows it. So um, find out what our dog likes in, in terms of reward. Does it like us to speak in a nice, soft voice, uh, You know, whole sentences that mean nothing to the dog, but we're giving them that nice verbal noise? Or is it a stroke that they like? And in which case, what sort of stroke might might that be? It might be a roughing up around the ears or a tickle under the chin or a scratch of the, the back. All sorts of dogs like different types of touch. Um, or is it giving them a food treat? Uh, or is it giving them a toy and having a game with them? So all of those are rewards that we can give to our dogs. So if we say their name and then follow it up with one or other of those rewards, or maybe several of those rewards, then... Every time they hear their name, they will associate that with something nice about to happen. So they will think it's worth their while to pay attention to that that sound um, and therefore pay attention to us and wait and see what it is we're going to give them associated with that
0: name. Fantastic. It's really interesting, actually, that you mention about finding out what our dogs like, because it's it, it seems to be a common misconception that every dog likes a stroke, every dog likes a pat on the head. And I can speak from experience, I've got two dogs, and yeah. my older one, he... He's not a particularly cuddly dog. He's a Labrador cross and he's not particularly cuddly. And he doesn't like you being round his face. He doesn't like you getting right close into his face. He'll come to you for affection when he wants it, but otherwise he's quite independent and he's quite happy just to chill out. Whereas my other dog, who's a springer spaniel, is love me, love me, love me. I want you in my face. I want to lick you all over, get get in with me, get in my bed, lay on me. I don't care what you do. So it's really interesting to see how different they are. And not every dog likes the same thing. And I think a lot of strangers make that mistake, don't they? When they meet a dog they've never met before and they go straight in, give it a good old rough behind the ears. And the dog thinks, no, I don't like that. Get off. I'd rather be just a little tickle under the chin or just a little smile will be absolutely fine for me. Thank you.
1: Exactly. And I I have no idea where the pat on the head might have come from. I know, it's maybe it's what you know what older people did to little children back in the day you know good good <laughs> dad pat on the head and we've sort of translated that into that must be what we should be doing with our dogs but I don't know any dog who likes a pat on the head they like pats in other parts of their body all dogs are different um some dogs hate your face being close to theirs that can be very mm. threatening and a dog wouldn't do that to another dog naturally um mm. Some dogs are less body sensitive and less have less awareness of the space around them than other dogs. So you mentioned Springer Spaniels. I've got Cockers. They're all over me. They don't mind who climbs over them, who they <laughs> climb over. Um, but I've got Collies who have a much, much bigger area of personal space. They don't like mm. people being right in on top of them or other dogs being right in on top of them. And it's important to know your own dog. But it's also important when you... So if you've got a dog and it's a new puppy and you're taking it out to meet lots of people, which is great uh, because you want your dog to be a sociable dog and to be able to accept all sorts of people. Um, But you want those people to be under some degree of your control. You don't want them rushing up and roughing your puppy up or, Mm. you know, getting too close to your puppy, overwhelming your puppy, because that can really put a dog off people approaching them for life. And we also need to recognise that not all dogs are social butterflies. So some dogs are just not interested in other people. They might be something like a German Shepherd who tends to be one person or one family orientated and not really bothered about everybody else. But because we have a bit of a misconception about socialisation, so for us it's about getting in a group and having a few drinks down the pub, you know, pre-COVID and all that, But for dogs, it's not the same sort of thing. Socialisation for dogs is about being accustomed to all those things in the environment and being able to cope with them, but not necessarily going up and playing with every person you see or playing with every other dog that you see. Um, And some dogs are very sociable and they like to meet and greet other people and other dogs. And other other dogs would just say, please stay away. I need my space. And we need to recognise that all dogs have different personalities, different temperaments and different life experiences. And we need to uh, treat them with respect. And if we're an owner, we need to be there to protect our dogs and to make sure that they don't get overwhelmed by the situations that um, they're coming into contact with or we're putting them in. We need to control the environment to make sure that they learn at their pace and their comfort in order that they can react Nicely, appropriately. We don't force them into doing things that we wouldn't want them to do, you know, maybe growling or backing away or pulling mm. a face, that sort of behavior, or, or worse. And when it comes to the growl, always, always, always listen to the growl and thank your dog mm. for being a great communicator and saying, Right, I've heard the growl. I know you're uncomfortable. I didn't spot the earlier signs, but thank you for the growl. I'm going to remove you from that situation in order that you don't have to escalate the the behaviour further, maybe, you know, snarl, air snap or even bite because you're uncomfortable. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to create space, take you out of that environment.
0: Mm, really important isn't it it's a growl isn't always bad it's just the only way that they can tell you mum i don't like this mum i feel really uncomfortable they can't pull you on the coattails and say please can you take me away from here because i'm not really that happy they've got to get it across somehow or other haven't they nature's menu is dedicated to the health and well-being of its pets and yours discover the world of raw and more by visiting naturesmenu.co.uk the Pupcast podcast is offering an exclusive 20% discount to its listeners. Simply enter Pupcast20 at the naturesmenu.co.uk checkout. So, going back to listening to dogs and, and the different sounds that they make, broadly speaking, could you tell us anything about? what do different dog sounds mean? Um, Could we sort of get a, a rough idea of what they're trying to say by the sounds and the noises that they make? Or is it more about how they present in their body language? It's a bit of
1: both. So if I could hear the dog, but I couldn't see the dog, then I could hazard a guess at what they might be thinking and what the bark or the noise that they were making was about. I might not be as accurate. Well, I wouldn't be as accurate as if I could see the whole situation and the dog's body language as well, then obviously I'm much more likely to be accurate that way. But yeah, um, if we if we're thinking about a dog that's barking, so imagine the postman's just come to the front door, then they the bark that the dog will give because there's an intruder about is a sort of a run of barks. So it tends to be reasonably low, but it's a series of barks. And if that dog barks, I know that they're barking because they're alerting there's an intruder about but every other dog in the neighborhood if they could hear it they would know that that's what it meant as well. If it's a dog that is worried about something uh, wants that thing that they're worried about to go away it, it might start with a low rumbly growl and then get into a deeper louder bark from there so I would be able to hear that and think, oh, that's a dog that's very unsure about whatever situation it's in. If it's a dog that's barking for attention, then it's likely to be one or two barks and then a gap and then maybe a bark and then another gap, then maybe three barks and a gap. And the gap is always about the dog listening to um, see if they can hear the owner come back if that's what they're barking for. The owner's gone away. So they bark. Are they coming back? So they stop barking and listen. Then they might bark again, then stop again and listen. Is it working? And, of course, eventually it does, because eventually the owner will come back, so it does work. Mm, So those are sort of the main barks. But then you have other sounds that the dog makes. So um, they might whine, that squeaky, whiny noise. Um, And, again, that has different different meanings. So it might be a little bit of a, a whine to say Are you coming back? It's it's a less noisy and an irritating thing than the attention-seeking bark, but they might whine first to uh, try and call you back. Or they might whine because they think they're about to go for a walk and it's an excited whine, a happy whine, or they know that you've just walked through the front door so it has a different pitch. It's much more likely to be um, a higher-pitched whine or a higher-pitched bark when they're excited than it is if they're whining because they're wanting you to come back out to be a lower pitched sort of whine and then they sigh and they moan and they groan <laughs> um, and that might be in pleasure you know a dog a dog that greets you and rolls over onto its back and you start tickling its tummy might moan and groan in pleasure but moaning and groaning could be the the dog's in pain as well so sometimes those noises you need to hear them in context with what you're seeing so looking at the dog's demeanor looking at the general situation and tying it up with the noise that you hear um, will then give you a better picture of actually what's
0: going on brilliant no lovely that's great great advice um so how do you think so they're all sort of warning noises or anything like that how can we know when our dog is happy do they make a happy noise do you think
1: yeah they definitely do so whining is probably the commonest happy noise or the little <laughs> squeaky barks barking itself but it tends to be a higher pitched bark than the barking for any other reasons. One of my uh, dogs is, is a male dog and he's quite a big dog but when he's excited it's this high-pitched yappy sound normally you can hear a bark and you you can hazard a guess at what sort of size of dog that bark comes from but when my male dog is excited you would think he was a small dog and he's (laughs) not he's a big male collie so your happy barks tend to be much more higher pitched than your less happy barks your warning barks Mm. or or your fearful barks (laughs)
0: <laughs> so to really put you on the spot so obviously we know that um generally dogs can communicate with one another quite effectively and like you say if one of them lets off a warning bark pretty much the dog three doors down will know that that's a warning bark as well um but to really put you on the spot do you think an English dog could talk to a French dog and vice versa
1: absolutely and without <laughs> an accent either Yep, yeah, they,
0: would,
1: they would know categorically and and actually dogs can also recognize when we bark to a certain extent. So some people are very good at imitating dog bark. And I mentioned my friend John Rogerson, the, the great trainer behaviorist, who will give his client something to do instead of giving the dog attention. But he's also a great imitator of dog barks. And I know that if he was in a room of dogs and he let out his version of an alert bark, all the dogs in the room would join in they would all alert bark so we can imitate if we're good at it I, I've tried doing an alert bark and end up in a coughing fit so I'm not very <laughs> good. um but there are some people that can do fantastic imitations of dog noises and dogs will <laughs> understand that that tone and range and rhythm it's the rhythm very often with barks as well that um that gives a bigger picture of communication you know I was saying earlier about the attention seeking bark being the occasional bark or two barks or three barks with gaps in between whereas the alert bark is a run of barks several on the trot um so it's that rhythm as well that tells you not just the sound but the rhythm of it
0: Mm, fab okay and sort of so so bearing that in mind so that we don't all look like we've completely lost it when we next take our dogs out for a walk um how can we get our dogs to understand us when we're talking to them or when we're training so would they pick up on tone of voice obviously we've covered body language but how can we sort of get them to understand our body language maybe a little bit better or do they understand specific words when you're talking to them or does that take training to get them associated with specific words so how can we communicate a little bit better with our dogs so dogs
1: can be taught to understand lots and lots of human words so there was a a great border collie who's uh, since passed away but he had a vocabulary of 200 words And that included about 180 individual names of toys. Yes, I
0: remember him. He was fantastic. Yeah, Gable,
1: his name was a fantastic dog and and was part of um, a couple of experiments to do with Lincoln University on looking at how um, how dogs communicate and what they can learn. And they determined that his understanding of vocabulary was that of a two year old child, which is quite amazing. Now, Mm. most dogs are not that good. But most dogs do understand various words that we say. So some of the words that we inadvertently teach them um, rather than specifically training, but things like walkies, car, Mm. squirrel, cat, dinner, sweeties, all those noises. um, And it's because we say those words and then it's followed by whatever it is we're talking about. So we'll say, do you want to go walkies? And the dog will know, oh, next bit is they get my lead out and we <laughs> go for a walk. And that So they then associated the word walkies with what's going to happen next, which is pleasurable. And the same with dinner. Would you like your dinner? You put your dinner down. Um, and training is no different, really, except we're more purposefully putting a word in front of an action. So to train a dog, we need to get the dog to do something. And the easiest way, very often, is to get the dog to sort of lure the dog into doing something with a treat so most dogs will eat of course and most dogs really like the food of course um so having a treat and moving the treat over the dog's head so that the dog looks up bottom drops down dog is now in a sit if you then start saying sit immediately before you do that action then the dog will start to pair up the word sit with the action that they're going to do and the reward that follows. So they start anticipating. So they hear the word sit, they'll do the action, you reward them. You don't have to then do the luring in between. So that's how we start to teach our dogs um, that association of an action with something pleasurable following it. And it depends very much on, you know, it's not just about treats, because as we were saying earlier, dogs like all sorts of things as rewards and if we're going to use something like a treat or a game with a toy we also need to put a lot of us in there because the most important thing in that reward situation should be us because we go everywhere with the dog we need to make sure that we are pleased we we talk to them in a nice voice we fuss them with our hands we play with them as well as giving them a treat or giving them a game you know it's no good just wagging the toy in the face and saying yeah grab a hold of that and enjoy it Mm -hmm. we need to put something of ourselves in that scenario so making sure Mm -hmm. we're part of the game and we're excited as well
0: Lovely. No, that's brilliant. And so, touching again on body language, what would you say are most important for the, the key basics that any owner should really take the time to learn? So, obviously, dog body language is incredibly in depth, and there's probably still some that we don't even understand ourselves yet. But what would you say are the most basic things that, that owners should really be aware of?
1: Um, probably the tension in the body, um, because a relaxed dog will be very loose and fluid in their movement. So their body won't be held in a straight line. Um, It might even wag in rhythm with the tail. The tail will be a nice, gentle wag from side to side. Um, The face will look relaxed. So it's that tension versus relaxation to look out for. So the, the dog that is uncomfortable, will look like it's frowning the skin around its face and um, forehead and muzzle might be very tight their body held very rigid the hackles might be up the hairs on the back of their neck and um, back of their shoulders their tail might be tucked underneath or it might be up straight it might still wag but it won't be that nice slow rhythmical wag that you see in the relaxed dog it might be just a flicking of the tip of the tail so dogs don't always wag their tail because they're happy sometimes they wag their tail because they're over aroused in another way and that might be that they're about to spring forward in an aggressive attack or they might be about to do a runner because they're fearful of something but you might see that tail wagging then and it doesn't mean that they're happy clearly so probably the tension versus the relaxation of the body is something to really look out for. But then more obvious signs are, is the dog moving forward towards whatever it is or is it moving back? If it's moving forward, it wants to meet and greet that thing in front of them. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's in a good way. So if it's moving forward, but it's tense, then you need to get that dog out of there or get that person or other dog out of there, create space. But if it's relaxed and moving forward, then the chances are, That dog is going to happily greet whatever it is in front of them, you know, another person or another dog. If the dog is moving backwards, then you need to respect that the dog is not ready to meet that thing in front of it and to allow it a bit more space.
0: Mm, No, fab. I think that's brilliant advice. And and anybody with a dog really should sort of just take the time, like you say, just to learn a little bit of of basic dog body language so that they can avoid those, those horrible moments and just build a nice relationship with their dogs, really, at the end of the day.
1: Dogs evolved to be man's best friend or woman's best friend. And we've sort of lost that a little bit along life's way. And the thought is that dogs need other dogs as their best friends, that dogs need to go to the park, be let off lead and a little gentle pat up the bottom to say, run along and go and play with all your doggy playmates. Mm. And Not what it's about. The dog needs to have playmates, but you should be the most important playmate. In the dog's life so mm. you need you as the owner need to learn how to play with your dog how to give your dog pleasure how to gain pleasure from your dog you know we like to play we need our dogs to play with us as much as our dogs need to play you know it's a two-way street we both get a lot of feel good factor from having a great game with each other and it keeps the dog out of mischief you know not every other dog in the park will want to play with your dog so mm. Your dog might be told to run along and play and all it's experienced is, oh, I run along and play. And then it approaches the wrong dog. And that wrong dog says, get out of my space, not too kindly. And then that one experience can be enough to really alter the temperament of your own dog. And none Mm. of us would find it easy to live with a reactive dog, a dog that's reactive to other dogs. So if we can avoid those potentially confrontational situations. Absolutely great. Really, only allow your dog to play with dogs that you know are sound, with owners that are happy for you to allow your dog to do that and make it short and sweet and then play with them 10 times as long yourself because mm. dogs speak dog language so much easier than humans. So it would be very easy to depth the owner out of the equation if they were getting all their fun from other dogs, unless we really <laughs> put some effort into it.
0: Yeah no that's fantastic that's really great. Um, Well I have learned loads today um, but before we all go off and start trying to have a chat barking at our dogs over a cup of tea (laughs) discussing the episode of EastEnders last night um, where can our readers explore the topic of dog behaviour and body language a little bit further?
1: Well the Kennel Club is a great website loads and loads of information on there. Um, A lot of the charities do uh, great uh, pieces of advice and um, videos and things Things like the pdsa the rspca dogs trust all those big charities have great uh, articles on training and communication so they're worth looking at uh, the internet in general great posters we all learn in different ways don't we but looking at a poster of different body postures that dogs adopt and um, and how they might be feeling and what they might be trying to communicate that's a great way of learning for many people YouTube, super videos on there or experts talking about dogs' vocalisations or dogs' body language. So that would be a great place to go as well. Books, if people still read books these days. um, (laughs) Yeah, Stanley Coren does some great stuff on communicating with dogs and Brenda Arloff is another great author um, and, and has some nice pictures in her book as well for those that find it easier to look at. Pictures than read stuff i'm quite a visual learner so i like to go and look at dogs so i've been lucky enough to go and look around charities and look at the behavior of dogs um i've run a dog training club so i've been able to look mm. at lots of dog behaviors there and breeds communicate slightly differently in their body language so the more experience that you can get looking at different breeds and breed types um the, the better your learning will be
0: Mm. just even sitting on a park bench and watching the dogs interact with one another just it really opens your eyes doesn't it
1: absolutely yeah it tells you an awful lot if you look at two dogs that play and whether or not Mm. they're both comfortable with that yeah very interesting
0: lovely well it's been absolutely fascinating chatting with you dawn thank you so much for joining us to our listeners if you enjoyed today's episode why not leave us a review and let us know your favorite top tip and just to say thank you very much again dawn it's been a really enlightening episode thank you very much mel thank you for having me thank you nature's menu is dedicated to the health and well-being of its pets and yours discover the world of raw and more by visiting naturesmenu.co.uk the Popcast Podcast is offering an exclusive 20% discount to its listeners. Simply enter Popcast20 at the naturesmenu.co.uk checkout.